0: Hi, friends. Welcome to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. I'm Leona Evans, and I'm here today, as always, with my son and co-host, Matthew J. Evans.
1: Hi, it's great to be here.
0: Listen, are you ready to talk about decluttering?
1: I am. Not only talk about it, but eventually do it, too. <laughs>
0: eventually. Well, maybe we should do a show on procrastination.
1: Well, if we wait till we do that, then I'll never get the house clean. So. Well,
0: <laughs> I hear what you're saying. We all have stuff, right? And that reminds me of one of the great monologues of all time delivered by the late great George Carlin, and it was about stuff. You remember. Uh, hearing about it.
1: Yes, I love the stuff routine. He's talking all about how we need to buy more stuff because we have space in our house for more stuff, but if we buy too much stuff when we run out of space for stuff, then we have to buy a new house, so it's a bigger house, so we have even more space, You know, but yes. it's always about this accumulation. We're always buying, buying, buying.
0: Yeah, and there is a big issue with consumerism, mm-hmm. just as there was when George Carlin did his routine. The fact is, there are people who are starving. There are many people in the world who are economically deprived, and yet we, without thinking, continue to buy more stuff. And as you just quoted, George Carlin is saying, when we run out of space for our stuff, we have to get a new house so we can put more stuff in it. So what do you think this obsession with accumulation of things is, and our seeming inability to live with space.
1: Well, I think some of that need to keep accumulating is definitely coming from a a kind of programming that we get from commercials and from that that sort of keeping up with the neighbors type of thing or any number of sort of societal sources that kind of tell us to keep buying things but that pa- the last part of your question uncomfortable being with space that's such yes. an interesting thing because that that is a, it, space or silence or quiet you know that that can be kind of anxiety inducing for some people. It can be seen as a void. That's true,
0: rather than a purposeful presence,
1: yeah, that's in- yeah, that's interesting, yeah, avoid something that needs to be filled, very anxious, maybe kind of a short attention span thing, a uh, a need to sort of feel stimulation mm-hmm. or or be stimulated so if if the wall is empty, then it needs something there, or if the the desk doesn't have anything on it, it needs something on it, or you know,
0: yes, there are people who, from a fashion sense, prefer to not have space to put beautiful things or antiques or, or uh, certain types of decorations on things in order to avoid space, number two, and number one, to beautify the space. There's something about emptiness that can be threatening, especially, as you say, to those of us who were raised in a culture of if you need it, buy it. And if you don't need it yet, you probably will, so you need to buy it anyway. And if you really need it, you might as well buy two, because one won't be enough. It'll wear out. There's this sense uh, somehow of incompleteness and of an understanding that when people shop There has to be a reason for shopping to make us look better, feel better, to make our house cleaner, to make our yard more presentable. There are all kinds of things that we're being told we need.
1: And then there's all kinds of stuff that we tell ourselves that we need. I know for me, one thing I I have tended to hold on to is music, like paper copies of sheet music and stuff, stuff that I could scan and have a digital copy and then recycle or at least file in an organized way so it would be clearly labeled or accessible. But instead, it just is kind of in this ungodly pile. Or it was for, I mean, in, in before we moved, there was that one drawer that was just full of loose music and it gave me anxiety to look at. I didn't like looking at it. And anytime I had to go in there, it was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. But I also couldn't find the motivation to actually go through it and organize it at the same time.
0: Well, that's another big problem with accumulation. We can only accumulate so much and then we start having to pile it up and box it. It no longer becomes available to us. We know we have one of those or two of those somewhere, but we can't find them. And so we end up having to buy more. And in the case of music, you've got the choice of going through hundreds of pieces of music or downloading one for 99 cents. And there's just no choice if you don't have the time or the inclination to do that. And so once we get to the point where we can't access our stuff, or it seems overwhelming, then we know that we've got a problem.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, then it's not even our stuff anymore if you can't access it or it just becomes completely unavailable. That That's something, you know, talking about accumulation where, where everything's in boxes or everything's in storage units that are across town or something, and it's like, oh, there has to be a way to manage ourselves where we have what we need available to us.
0: And that's where sometimes we can run into problems because if we have any kind of hoarding inclination, we will tend to think that everything in those boxes, everything in that garage, everything in that storage union is incredibly valuable, and we can't part with it. And so we're actually stuck. We can't use what we have because it's put away in a place that we can't access. And since we need it, we can't get rid of it, either. So that's a place where a lot of us find ourselves, many of us find ourselves. And it has a direct translation to our mental and emotional state of well-being, doesn't it? I mean, have you found yourself in a place where you were searching for an idea? You just graduated from college, and Mm -hmm. so you've spent the last number of years being in that situation where you have something to do, you need to focus and get it done, and yet your mind felt cluttered.
1: Oh, that was practically every day, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 really hard. And I know. How it's such a struggle for so many people finding a good space to focus in, making your study space ideal. You know, it was hard enough on campus trying to find a quiet space or a seemingly quiet place or whatever it was that helped you focus. If it helped having music, if it helped being outside, if it helped being inside. Um, that was a whole series of, of adjustments that you had to find for yourself. Everybody has their own style. What I'm suggesting
0: is that there's a direct correlation between the amount of clutter that we allow ourselves to accumulate and our ability to think clearly, to process our thoughts and feelings in an orderly way. I believe there's a direct correlation between those two things, which is why many experts suggest that if we clean out our space, will be able to write or process our thoughts or journal more successfully because there'll be a clear space where we can focus rather than just a jumble of different ideas and thoughts. And so it seems to a number of experts that clutter in our lives is the direct result of clutter in our consciousness.
1: I think that's very true, but then there are always people like Albert Einstein, who famously had a very cluttered desk and messy hair,
0: and didn't wear the same color socks, and a whole number of things that I guess is permissible and even humorous when you're an eccentric genius, but on the other hand, he always had a wonderful and loving and supportive woman around him to make sure that he was dressed appropriately (laughs) For important occasions.
1: <laughs> well, I guess it's good to have have a team around you in, and to know what you need. So if that was what he needed, then I'm glad that he had that. But Absolutely. and but I know, you know, for 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 me, the clutter does affect my state of mind. When my room is messy, I'm like more anxious about it, or I'm more upset about it. And even if I'm just doing a little something like, ah, oh, just get this, I'll just clean this one desk and get that out of the way. That alone, it's just, oh. <sighs> much better. Even if it's just a little bit, just making that little progress helps.
0: It does help a lot. And so my question, my source of confusion here is, if you know that, why does it keep getting cluttered again after you clean it? Why is there not a habit in place that causes you to want to keep it that way rather than letting it pile up again and having to go through all that work to do laundry for days on end, you know, when in fact a little bit at a time would be so much more organized. I'm,
1: I'm starting to, to feel like your podcast examples are very uh, personally directed.
0: Well, yes. I mean, that. knowing that you're know. a brilliant, wonderful, <laughs> and talented human being, that we understand we all have areas. Yeah, no. <laughs> I
1: No, see, I know. I I know that I would love to be on top of it. I know that it makes me feel better. I know that I find all my things more easily, that I just live a better life all around I feel better about myself about my surroundings everything everything is better but that still doesn't get in the way of the fact that it's just more like work to manage all of that stuff the same way exercising every day is more work or you know doing all those things that that all, all of us or maybe some of us would like to do but don't always get to you know what I mean Yes, I
0: do know what you mean. Let's talk about how to minimize clutter and be more environmentally friendly, okay? Years ago, I heard some very strong and powerful advice, and that was this. Tackle as many tasks with the least amount of products. Now, this was always very important to me As someone who worked on the road a lot when I was in the theater, when one works on the road, one has a tendency to want to be as compact as possible. We're always packing and unpacking, and the more things we have, the more bags we have to carry. And so I discovered that if I could carry one product with me that would do A number of different tasks that it would be far more organized, far more expedient than if I had all kinds of bottles and all kinds of specific treatments. I remember a friend of mine took me shopping one day and she introduced me to a new line of products at the time. This, of course, was many years ago. And naturally, I won't mention The product, but oh, it was so beautifully packaged. And I thought if I were at home, I would take all of these beautiful bottles and decorate my dresser with them. But the fact was that I wasn't at home and I was on the road. And the question was, what exactly did I need among these products? Well, my friend introduced me to three of the products. One of them was a special face cream, and the other was a special eye cream, and the third was a special neck cream. She swore by these products. She said they were all unique and different, and that I couldn't use one without the other. Well, I was skeptical about that, quite frankly. I realized that my neck, my face, and my eyes were very closely related to each other. And if I could just use one of the creams, that perhaps I could cover those three areas just as effectively. So I took a moment and read the ingredients on all three of the bottles. They were exactly the same.
1: Hmm, Really? Yes. Wow. Wow. Well, there you go. If it was a good product, I guess they just thought it would be uh, a good product three times.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I suppose there is that possibility. However, it was a great learning experience for me, and it taught me this. If I can reduce the number of things I carry and also reduce the amount of money I spend, and if I can get approximately the same results... I am wiser to consolidate. I can be efficient, effective, and get excellent results if I just take a few moments to prioritize my values, to understand, and especially when I was on the road, to continually remember the more I buy, the more... I think I need, and the more I try to stuff into my suitcase, I'm going to have to buy another one, and then another one. It's just a habit that satisfies a need to acquire things that we might not necessarily need, and that could relate to something emotional, and in many cases it does.
1: That's very true. You and I often watch the TV show called Hoarders, which uh, documents people who are struggling with hoarding, and a lot of times they talk about how the genesis of their symptoms was a kind of emotional trauma, something really awful happening in their life that caused them to feel this need to protect themselves by just gathering more and more, collecting, kind of building a fortress almost for themselves.
0: Well, with the hoarders, it's what makes it so fascinating is that these are wonderful, often very intelligent individuals who have, through tragedy, lost their ability to see their surroundings from a rational point of view. We have heard a number of them say that when they lost their loved ones, the loss of parents, the loss of children, the loss of spouses, that they needed to keep acquiring things that to them represented safety and security, things that would not abandon them, things that would, in a sense, protect them. So because they have been so traumatized and because of other factors that I really can't explain because of my lack of expertise in that area. The objects have taken on a life of their own. I am so impressed by the healthcare professionals on that program who treat the individuals with hoarding issues in such a a loving and understanding and powerful way that they are able to in many cases help them see that the alternative to collecting things to the point of not being able to move around their own house is not supporting the healthiest way of life, and many of them recover in really powerful and wonderful ways.
1: So getting back to tackling as many tasks as we can uh, with as few products as possible, let's talk about the the under-the-sink area. In the
0: kitchen. In the kitchen. yes.
1: Which should have some, like, sinister music coming in underneath us as I say (laughs) those words, under the sink. Yes. It's it's a little bit of, well, it has been a little bit of a messy place in the past.
0: Well, I find that I'm particularly susceptible to buying products that say they will clean soap scum, they will eliminate one having to clean one's shower because this product is going to do it for you. And then if I think I've bought one of those and I go down the supermarket aisle and I see some provocative advertising that says this product does it better... I'll buy it Mm -hmm. because why wouldn't I want it to be better? And so it keeps happening. The quintessential dishwashing liquid, the quintessential floor cleaners, my attraction for doing things more effectively with a new product that can answer all of my cleaning needs has been a very big draw for me over the years so we found that out when we cleaned under the sink recently and found four or five products that were exactly the same made by different companies promising better results
1: yeah, so we knew we didn't have to stock up on anything like that anytime soon, but it was also such a helpful reminder, you know, for in the future to to just be more judicious about what we're getting. Do I already have this? Do I really need this? Am I do I have something that gets this done in the same way, you know? And with those
0: types of products, how benign they look and how adversely they might be affecting the environment without us really examining them much more closely to see what those ingredients are. And that's how we found the magic of vinegar. Vinegar is one of those products that one can use in the kitchen and in the bathroom that tackles many, many tasks, multiple tasks. And it's been around for a long, long time. I underestimated its effectiveness and was thinking that something with so many chemicals in it and such beautiful packaging must be more effective. But again, back to the basics. If we can simplify the number of products that we use and the amount of shopping we do in order to declutter simplify our lives and think very clearly, become very, very conscious and mindful of what we do and why we do it, we can make a number of inroads in reducing our carbon footprint.
1: Yes, I love examples of the people who reduce the products that they use, reduce the amount of things that they buy. Um, there have been some great examples on social media of individuals who are able to use so little and generate so little waste in what they do that they can fit a year's worth of their trash in a mason jar. To me, that's so amazing when we stop to think about how much some of us individuals generate in a day. You know, we can we can make so much waste, so much Some of it is literally trash. Some of it is just clutter that ends up as stuff in our house. But no matter what our situation is, we should really try to do everything we can to be conscious of what we're generating in our lives.
0: Once we start seeing clutter, we need to recognize without shame or blame that somehow, some way, there's more there than needs to be there And we can take steps to reduce wasteful spending and to honor the clarity and the simplicity of living a conscious
1: life. Thanks so much for listening to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. Please get in touch with us by liking our Facebook page and visiting our website, getoffyouraffirmation.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Have a
0: wonderful, uncluttered week. You deserve it.